we've been saying so much lately that like, oh yeah, we've had this one on the docket since day one. We've always wanted to do this episode, but actually not so much. This popped up relatively recently and yeah, right. it even popped well, up I independently. I had said like, well, yeah, I had said like we conied a Kino when we were talking about, or sorry, a Quino. I'm going back to calling him a Kino when we were talking about, you know, the podcast one day, like at the end of the year um, uh-huh. or yeah. At, like, yeah, I guess it was like during tax season. Um, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. were talking about, you know, things that good things that have come of the podcast. And I was like, you know, yeah, Quino, like people, you know, we conied him, like kind of referencing it. Uh, but then like, I guess. We made him famous. Yeah, we made him. But then, like, I guess in the aftermath of that, like, we were, like, you know, talking about it and we realized, like, people don't really remember this, like, Coney 2012, like, you know, it, itself, you know. No, uh, no. A lot of people don't. Even millennials who were kind of the target audience of Coney 2012, I talked to a few and were like, wait, what was that? Or they have, like, yeah. the vaguest memory of it. Right, which is crazy. It because, is crazy. Yeah. Like, I think it was, you were saying it was the most popular, like, viral video at the time. Like, yes. it was Yeah, it was extremely yeah. popular. Well, yeah, today, um, I mean, we're going to get into all facets of Coney 2012, but one big aspect of it is the kind of uh, internet or mimetic history aspect of Coney 2012, because you're right. It was the, in March 2012, when it debuted on YouTube, it... In a matter of like several days, it became the most watched YouTube video of all time with, I think, over, you know, I think these numbers don't sound so big today, but I think they got over 100 million views in like 72 hours or something for this 30 minute film. And it was like important too. It wasn't like Badger Badger Mushroom or like what does the fox say or whatever. It was or like you know, this is yeah. politically <laughs> important, you know, yeah, or something like that, right? Yeah, this was a big um, deal. This got picked up immediately by the press, and it led to this like storm of media coverage. And we'll talk shortly about like how it started and how it ended up. But you know, I just looked up. For some reason, well, because this is the 10-year anniversary of Coney 2012, there's been some retrospectives on it. And I guess YouGov, <laughs> uh, YouGov, the polling company, did a poll just in the last month or two about memory of Coney 2012 with U.S. adults. And they asked, <laughs> how much, if anything, do you remember hearing about a 2012 viral online video produced by Invisible Children about an African warlord named Joseph Coney who kidnaps children into his militant army? And 65% of respondents remembered nothing at all 25 percent remembered a little and 10 percent remembered a lot so yeah i mean two-thirds of the country has kind of it's gone right down the memory hole but it for a minute there if you were online especially if you were like a pretty online millennial who was on things like facebook or twitter or reddit god forbid in 2012 as i think i was still on reddit and facebook you know, back then, I think 2012 was the last year before I think I defected from Facebook and just couldn't take it mm. anymore. And Coney 2012, honestly, was like <laughs> one of the precipitating factors of that. I remember like po- like rage posting about Coney 2012, like a couple days after it came out. I, I guess I'm I'm mildly proud to say that I was not psyoped by it. And instead, I was like deeply triggered as were like uh, millions of people on particularly on the African continent, you know, for yeah. its uh, alleged there was immediately like, a lot of backlash. Like there to was it, be, for a good reason. It Yeah, there's very I good rewatched reason. it 
like you know in preparation for this episode and Mm -hmm. yeah at the time it was galling but i feel like in retrospect like even more so i mean it's like the epitome of like white boy goes to africa like colonialist sort of white savior complex like apotheosis uh, of fucking white boy goes to africa like there there it's like the room of white boy white boy goes to africa it's almost like the savant like autorist narcissistic vision of this guy jason russell who stars you know basically is kind of the head of invisible children and very prominently stars in Coney 2012, along with his adorable blonde-haired five-year-old son, Gavin, who he uses as, like, a chief, like, narrative device throughout. And a lot of people did kind of clap back against uh, this movie, like, in the, the days after it was released. And then within just 10 days, <laughs> 10 uh. days, and, you know, the... The pitch, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of break down. We'll probably walk through Coney 2012 in a minute to really, because there's so much shit like packed into that 30 minutes. But it was all supposed to culminate, I think, on, and I mean, come yeah, on, listeners, was, I am cover, shaking. Cover I'm, the night. Cover, cover the, the night. Yeah, I'm shaking my birthday, head right? on Hitler's like, birthday, April 20th. Yeah, which was also <laughs> the anniversary of like a massacre. Like Columbine. By, oh, oh, oh right, also Columbine, Columbine in, in and Uganda, also what? Right? Yeah. An LRA uh, massacre. I think so. Well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, on mm. April 20th. And, you know, basically the they wanted the people watching the video to order these action kits for $30 where you get a T-shirt and some bumper stickers and a wristband and on April April 20th, uh, everybody across, you know, pretty much the Western world would run out and plaster the city full of Coney posters. And then the morning after, like, Coney would be famous, etc. Yes, but the only Adiac massacre of April 20th, 1995, by the way, that was the one. Uh, okay. yeah, I wonder if that's why the they picked it. I wonder if that's Maybe, why they picked yeah, it. Maybe, yeah, but it's still kind of, like, weird. It that, is weird. Yeah. But then, like, they never even got, because I think this came out on like in the middle of March in 2012. And so they were, you know, basically saying that, you know, in less than a month from now, we're going to have this big global event and then blah, blah, and all these great things are going to happen. And then we're going to catch Coney. And, (laughs) but only 10 days. Yeah. We're going to catch him. Yeah. Put him on the front page of the New York times. That's the fantasy or whatever he says. But only 10 days after that, the founder and figurehead of this whole movement, Jason Russell, is filmed by multiple people running through the streets of San Diego, butt naked, kind of um, almost like like snap finger snapping and voguing, <laughs> and yeah. just yelling about mm-hmm. like yeah, he was random shit a little bit. <laughs> he um, was, he was nakedly serving, and he um. <laughs> And yeah, muttering to himself about like the devil, literally. The devil. Yeah, yeah, literally um, the devil. And, and was taken uh, in on a 5150 whole psychiatric yeah, and Slamming his hands on the ground like as hard as he could. And um, according to some people, like masturbating. Ape, kind of like a monkey, yeah. like trying to smash like a, like a open, like an anthill or something with a rock. I don't know. That's yeah. like kind of what it was like. Uh, it um, was, he went primal. He went altered yeah. states primal, like mm-hmm. caveman. And. You know, and then this, I got the video got, you know, picked up by TMZ. And then just as fast as Coney 2012 became this like epic bacon, like activism sensation, it became this huge fucking joke. Like this yeah. big, just like, haha, like the meme of him running around naked 
to- which at this point people already were kind of getting themselves prepped for some schadenfreude you know mm-hmm. like based on his sort of whole affect and attitude yeah i mean and- he had already sort of been canceled but this was just like you know i mean it was like chef's kiss situation like it was too perfect like he like very rarely does yeah and it really like cascaded into a complete collapse of the entire thing and like yep. when like cover the night finally happened like no one showed up uh nobody basically the whole thing just like crumbled weirdly enough like there was like you know some i mean it was kind of like overblown by invisible children you know the organization the coney 2012 organization that Mm -hmm. uh, jason russell founded but like in the like aftermath there was you know there was a little bit of like push to go like help the ugandan military like get coney even though at the time like coney had basically, like, the presence of the LRA had, like, more or less evaporated from Uganda and wasn't that strong in the neighboring countries either. Um, Which was so, well, part of what was so bizarre about it, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean... That was one of many critiques people made, is that the movie does not Um, explain that at all because it's trying to hype it up and like tug on your heartstrings as aggressively as possible and not get into messy specifics about anything any of the political context of like this conflict there's just there's a bad man like he tells gavin yeah we have to stop him like not kill yeah exactly like he talks to his own yeah we should talk about the thing i mean i feel like on one level like this is a phenomenon that i feel like i've observed many times where it's like a bizarre repeating pattern where like Basically, I mean, as soon as I started listening to this, like I, you know, I I will admit, like I myself like was pretty unplugged. Like I did remember it. Like I definitely would have answered like, yes, I remember it to that polling question. But I honestly didn't even remember his breakdown until you mentioned it to me. I just remember it being like this weird cringe thing. And I didn't remember much of the documentary itself at all or what the guy was even like. And when I listened to it, like the minute I heard his voice, I was like, this guy's a failed actor. (laughs) You know who he kind of reminded me of? He reminded me of like that guy who like was like hashtag walk away you know from the democrats you know like i used to be a liberal like that type of thing where it's like a weird bid I for attention i vaguely so, like, remember that guy yeah but. i don't know maybe but anyway it's a similar kind of like failed actor like dynamic i mean that guy was openly gay i mean i'm not saying this guy's gay maybe he just has that uh Anyway, he's like a theater kid. We'll obviously. get into that. Yeah, he's not just a failed um, actor. He is a like intergenerational yes. theater kid. And he's, not only that, an intergenerational evangelical Christian theater kid, which, yes. you know, we'll, we'll probably delve deeper into like, that background because it is relevant. I think. Yeah, I feel like that's him. the like this is, you know, on one level, like on the surface level, this is like that recurring phenomenon that I've seen like many times where like a theater kid type like a church choir type uh who you know maybe is like a bit out of place or uh for whatever reason uh, you know uh, take them at their word about like uh anything in terms of the uh that dimension of, of certain things but like you know what i mean like but uh they go to africa like to try to find their place like in their religion and then like they come back like really inspired with some kind of project that's like all about them something there is this another musical like he repeatedly would say that after he was done doing this he wanted to do like a hollywood musical i remember there was another thing like that was on on broadway a while ago like uh called witness uganda literally witness uganda and it was a similar story where like a dude i mean he was openly gay but like this dude you know went to uganda and like you know met some kids there that he really wanted to help i mean it was less 
uh, grandiose and like stopping Coney, but it was still the same type of thing where it's like, this is like, I'm going to be altruistic, but I'm going to like, you know, but really it's just a vehicle for their own like need to be a, you know, like a star like you know to be on yeah. stage like uh, but yes that's like the surface level but there's also something like deeply sus about it where it like justifies like uh u.s intervention in africa in Quite ways literally. that are like are totally tangential to like the nebulous goal of like quote-unquote stopping coney mm-hmm. and it's linked into something that goes back actually like a long time uh far before like 2012 like the you know u.s geopolitical interest in that area of Africa, basically from the like the end of the Cold War, because yeah. it's next to Sudan, you know, it's like, eh. and that kind of dovetails with the evangelical missionary interest there, you know. But oh, for anyway, sure. so for sure, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll kind of get into that some of the the deeper lore about like Ugandan geopolitics and stuff, which is like none of which is even like so much as hinted at in any of the invisible children. I mean, it wouldn't be their advantage to do so at all. No, it it wouldn't. And there's actually a really interesting, complicated sort of story there, you know, with their longtime president. I mean, even, you know, like Idi Amin obviously was uh, in control of the country in the seventies and was like sort of a U.S. ally, but then became like a, a Qaddafi ally and, this is a huge zone of contestation for the kind of, uh, you know, the more reactionary wings of, you know, the, like the OAU and mm-hmm. the sort of uh, Nkrumahist combating neocolonialism, like socialist strains, mm-hmm. you know, going on in the continent at the time. And it all ties in, like, actually in a lot of ways with kind of like Jason Russell's whole uh, subliminal jihad, but especially with the longtime president now, Yoweri Museveni, mm-hmm. who has gone, had an interesting career to say the least. But yes. uh, yeah, also the thing, yeah, maybe we'll get to it at the end, but the fact that like justifying U.S. military intervention, that was something that I had a kind of a sus inkling of back in 2012, that this felt very strange and like Mm -hmm. convenient for the U.S. military because what was getting started around that time under, you know, first term Obama was AFRICOM. You know, the U.S. was stepping up their military, particularly their like special operations footprint Mm -hmm. uh, all over Africa, you know, mostly under the guise of combating Islamic terrorism, something that we still see going on today. It's only expanded in mm-hmm. the last like 10 years but i forgot that like the explicit goal that is outlined in coney 2012 <laughs> is to like get u.s special forces sent to like hunt down coney. exactly that's really like they were, the mechanism of action here yeah it was so funny like seeing they saying like uh what, what did they say they were like because there's no actual like material like u.s interest to like you know intervene mm-hmm. militarily there like or something like that i mean obviously it's absurd because it's coming from people who believed at the time that there was like an active U.S. military interest. I mean, it's weird because there was it was 2012. So there was kind of like the sentiment was sort of shifting away from that. Like, you know, the idea that we should be like interventionists in the world. But I mean, a well, lot of FOPO people were still like opposed. But I mean, it's like bizarre that but they were like, no, like we will not stand for it. Like you must invade Uganda. Well, that, like, that's actually interesting because yeah. he I think he brings it up also. in I don't know if you watched it, but Coney 2012 part two beyond famous. Which oh, I, I think didn't, I, I, I didn't think he released that, that no. like. It might have even been like a week after the first Coney movie dropped. He released this second one that is kind of low key, like it's responding to some of the criticism that they've kind mm-hmm. of gotten. 
and stuff. But then like at one point, there's like this slick infographic that <laughs> is like people say we shouldn't do anything. But the UN has ratified a concept called responsibility to protect, which is completely <laughs> awesome. And we should invoke it to like go. Oh <laughs> this is like, oh, my God, this is like some psycho Samantha Power, like lib imperialism basically That's going great. on, which you, like you would see it blossom in like in Libya, in Syria and in other places like throughout the rest of the Obama administration. But it's like he's just invoking this very, yeah, this like R2P kind of Susan Rice, like Samantha Power kind of neoliberal imperialism kind of thing. And really also you're right, though, it was kind of a weird interregnum in the first Obama term because there was this sense that like we had defeated the bad man, you know, or the bad men, Bush and Cheney. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we were kind of like, like pulling out of Iraq and we, it and seemed we got like bin Laden. We so, got bin Laden. Yeah. This came out, yeah. you know, right we after got him. we yeah, got we him. We stopped him. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and, but you had the, like, there's all these people that pop up in it that are kind of like almost like celebrity kind of NGO activist types, like guys like John Prendergast and, I don't think actually, I don't know if Sean Penn pops up uh, in the the original Coney. Maybe he pops up in the part two. And people like Angelina Jolie and like George yeah. Clooney and like this new wave of cool like A-list Hollywood celebrities that right around this time, I think it was actually Trevor Nielsen, I want to say, who more recently was like, fun, he was bundling money with like Eileen Getty and like <laughs> one of RFK's kids to like give to Extinction Rebellion in 2019. And he uh -huh. had also built this like threat detection company for like Wall Street that was like founded with a CIA officer. And he was like, I think the director of special projects for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> and I okay. think even before that, there was a big New Yorker article about him. I think he was like a pioneer in approaching really big A-list celebrities around like 2008, 2009, 2010, people like Kobe Bryant, George Clooney, Leonardo DiCaprio, Angelina Jolie, and getting them to like really hype up these like pet celebrity causes and right. kind of using it to like boost their clout and like career and all this other stuff. But I remember that New Yorker article was very critical that like, for example, like Kobe Bryant, you know, RIP, like didn't actually... I think he he was supposed to give a ton of money to like a homeless shelter and he just sort of like never did and was like, eh, like, and mm -hmm. so they made these big promises that, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you did see a few of these people, particularly George Clooney, get involved in all kinds of weird sus shit with all kinds mm -hmm. of shady people around like particularly Darfur, which, you know, yes. borders Uganda, a similar, right? Yeah, exactly. Basically the same situation yeah save darfur save darfur from, like which is weird because like that was also the headquarters kind of of the people who were like imperiling darfur so it wasn't really like i guess in a and way wasn't darfur that was like coney, under threat, but it was still a weird slogan kind of and, like stop coney like well just, and like, also not really yeah at this time wasn't like coney allegedly hiding out in darfur well you know it kind of has to do very with, unclear he was i feel like you know he was connected with the sudan and i think that like the sudanese government did in some way like there's a deep like uh you know animus between uganda and the sudan like in many ways not i mean not all ugandans not all sudanese but like you know there you don't tend to like each other so and there's you know a history of, of conflict between mm -hmm. them you know uh definitely and, the like, sort of internal yeah and the internal like rebellious groups are often like associated with either 
by implication, like they're either implied to be associated with or believed to be, or they actually are associated with, like, you know, the governments of the other. So the LRA, I think, was kind of supported by uh, the government of Sudan. But I mean, it's also like a weird thing where like South Sudan, like the break off of, of South Sudan was like a big project for like the Obama administration. And I feel like that was tied to like some of this interest like in Uganda that was around 2012 but also like preceded and uh succeeded it I yeah it's uh Definitely. it's weird but yeah and I think that you like the I mean there was even like that famous picture that was part you know emerged in the initial backlash where you had like Jason Russell posing with like bazookas with like the SPLA which yeah. was like you know the South Sudanese rebel group um, yeah yeah no yeah. absolutely and he he did get to, yeah you know like it's never a good idea uh you know if anyone wants to go be an american war tourist in a foreign country not always yeah. a good idea to pose with a cool gun you know with a bunch of yeah. based rebels you know who are fighting bad guys yeah, um exactly. it might come back to bite um, you later on it might it might not age well but yeah i mean that's the thing like their approach was like straight up like even though they would kind of do this like christian thing of like we don't want to shoot him we don't want to kill him we want to stop him which is like hilarious because like everything that materially they wanted to do was to support like an incredibly like corrupt government that was implicated in basically every single human rights abuse that they could charge Coney with, which they did like, you know, which they totally could. And that he is a hundred percent guilty of like, but that also basically applied to the Ugandan government. And they yeah. basically provided them with logistical support to like go after and like seek kind of like vengeance against, you know, this guy, but also like his army, which was mostly comprised of like captive children. So like, yeah, yeah. when you have like a convenient boogeyman like bin Laden or like ISIS or Coney, mm -hmm. you know, it it's great. You know, like everything's justified. Like, I think we can agree, you know, they're pretty bad guys. But like <laughs> around them, like when you're like, you know, attacking them or like you're helping the drones, you know, come after them, like it's going to be the captive kids who die, you yep. know, so like practically, yep. you know, with any it, of these groups. <sighs> It's like so no one's in it is like a bleh bleh zombie, you know, there's not like a video game. Yes. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I think I should just mention because it was actually weird. So I, I had the strange distinction of being a little bit aware of this group before Coney 2012 came out. And I don't know if I told you about this before, but in I think around the end of college, I was taking this like documentary filmmaking class and, you know, uh, my professor would screen movies all the time. And one week she screened this movie that was like, oh yeah, these guys are like young film school students who like went to Africa <laughs> and they ended up like going to Uganda and, and, you know, discovered this whole world of like child soldiers. So she screened for us Invisible Children, The Rough oh Cut. Oh my God. Which wow. is the first film. This would have been in like maybe 2009. So I guess Damn. at the time, like it wasn't like released in theaters, but they were touring the country for several years. I think they made it, they went to Uganda in like 2003, 2004, and then they came back to America and they edited kind of this rough cut, like, I don't know, hour long documentary. Um, a lot of which, a lot of the footage is reused in Coney 2012, but that was really the the impetus for this whole like movement. So at, at the time, I, I think the way the movie was introduced to me, I didn't even realize that this was like an NGO. I just thought yeah. like the movie was called Invisible Children and they made a right. documentary and they're filmmakers like that mm -hmm. simple as. And I remember watching it actually and being like, oh, wow, this is, this is like pretty good and kind of interesting. And it, it didn't like I mean, I think 
going back and looking at it now, you would see all the same kind of like manipulative, exploitative, like whitewashed, like kind of bullshit that you would see in Coney 2012. But it, mm. but the movie wasn't necessarily trying to get you to do anything or it was telling a story about this horrible phenomenon of child soldiers and the Civil War thing. And it didn't even, I think, focus like so much on like Coney himself. It was more just about what the victims had gone through. So in that sense, you know, people like Jacob, who's like kind of held up as like my best friend, you know, mm -hmm. who he interviews, uh, you know, back then and then uses like a main character in Coney 2012. Right. And so, you know, I watched it and then it just kind of like slipped out of my mind. And I never heard about Invisible Children after that. And then suddenly, like several years later, like, boom, Coney 2012 comes out. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I remember these motherfuckers. Like, these guys, like, were, they made that movie, and now they've turned it into, like, an NGO movement. And I feel like by 2012, I had also, I, I think of maybe around the time I first watched Invisible Children was the first time I had sort of uh, discovered a lot of the, like, Liberia stuff, um, mm -hmm. which I kind of uh, researched, you know, like, years ago. And I would say that I've learned way more in, like, subsequent years. But I think even by 2012, I was familiar enough, I was I was familiar enough with some of the shit that had gone on in Liberia and Sierra Leone, like in the nineties, which had a huge use of child soldiers and these like charismatic warlords and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you know, people like Charles Taylor, et cetera. And I knew about like the extreme, like complicated nature of all of these conflicts. And that often picking one group as like, these are the good guys. And like, yes. these guys are evil. It, it really doesn't hold up to scrutiny. And oftentimes mm -hmm. I had even begun yeah. to suss out by that point that sometimes there, there seemed to be some like ulterior motives from like Western organizations and governments to yes. pick the who were the good guys and the bad guys and basically <laughs> wa like whitewash the crimes of one and then totally demonize the other. And basically, depending on whatever they wanted to get out of it, whatever resources right. they wanted to extract or whatever mm -hmm. government they wanted to, uh, you know, overthrow and things like that. So when I saw this like very naive, like Christian theater could movie come out talking about and I don't think I, you know, I didn't know anything about Coney beyond seeing that Invisible Children rough cut, but I could just mm -hmm. tell right away that like, oh, no, like this is this is some bad shit like this mm -hmm. is. And I also remember like being on social media and watching people get psyoped by it, like in real time, like everybody, <laughs> yeah. it was some real like post a black square on Instagram kind of energy. Yes, if you know what definitely. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's still with us today, but I think this was really like a prototypical, this is a formative moment in the history of kind of like political mimetic warfare on social media and like weaponizing the internet as like this sentiment machine, like this affect machine to like get mm -hmm. people to support something that they really don't understand because it's been boiled down to basically a meme. You know, even though it's a 30 minute film, it's not spending 30 minutes like breaking things down for you so much. It's just giving you, it's like a series of flashy meme factoids that are like very cleverly crafted to make you want to do like take action, you know, basically yeah. would do what they want to do and support that. So I was just watching like people that I knew, like just get took by it. That's why they got like rage posted on Facebook. It was like, this is <laughs> stupid, you know, but it was just like, it, it, it was like disturbing to me. It was like disturbing that like so many people were just like, wow, like Coney 2012. Yeah. And you know, I guess it was also 
for people that are maybe confused, like the the conceit. I mean, we'll get into the film. I think just in a sec. But the conceit of the film is that you know, 2012 was an election year, and with all this partisanship going on, you, you know, all agree. these yeah. you know, all this <laughs> politics going on, that you know, uh, there are so many things we can't agree on. But one thing, both the left and the right can agree on, is that Coney needs to go, and so. That was the idea. It's like we're gonna catch. This is the campaign to catch Coney in 2012 with like a based like neoliberal neocon like bipartisan yeah. alliance of people, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, and you know they'll cover the night and blah blah blah. He also funnily says in the very beginning like this video will like self destruct on like December yeah. 31st, 2012. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still yeah, there. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. okay, so maybe we should uh, now. You know, we've riffed for a half hour. Maybe we should start walking through the experience. It's still up, by the way. You know, that, yeah, that's why we laugh. Like, it's um, still there. And <laughs> Coney Part Two, um, they're they're both there. And yeah, you can watch it. But uh, I think yeah, if we could walk through, because I think as a piece of propaganda, it's kind of it is fascinating. And yeah, maybe we should give the devil his due for uh, kind of. I mean, you know. it worked for like a time. Um, it, it took a second for like all the people who actually like had knowledge of the situation to like be like, wait a minute, like you just completely st- like steamrolled all nuance out of this. Uh, and this is like sus as hell for mm-hmm. like both like cultural or like, uh, yeah, like, you know, representational, subtler, reasons. representational. Yeah, exactly. Like. But also also, political reasons. Yeah, also political reasons, yeah. Right now, there are more people on Facebook than there were on the planet 200 years ago. Humanity's greatest desire is to belong and connect. And now we see each other. We hear each other. Grandpa, I love you. I love you. Why why want to take a picture? We share what we love, and it reminds us what we all have in common. Dug out alive and well after seven and a half days. If you believe in yourself, you will know how to ride a bike. Rock and roll! So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? Oh, it's exciting. And this connection is changing the way the world works. Governments are trying to keep up. And now we can't test the freedom. And older generations are concerned. Many people are very concerned about tomorrow. They could get worse next year. The game has new rules. The next 27 minutes are an experiment. But in order for it to work, you have to pay attention. Access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.